0: Well, good morning and welcome to Law again. We're so glad that you are here. We are in our series, God Never Said That. This morning we're looking into God Never Said that he wouldn't give us more than we could handle. And if you weren't here last week, let me catch you up. We actually debunked the myth that above all else, God wants us happy. He wants us to be happy. Like, that's his ultimate concern. And if you miss that, you can go to uh, recent messages on Grumlaw.com and listen to that. And I highly recommend that you do that. Now, next week, this is a four-week series. Our uh, lead pastor, Shay Prisk, will be finishing up uh, the last two weeks of this. But the third week, next week, we're going to talk about the very popular cultural belief that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. God never said that and it really does matter what we do. And then the last week, and it might be one of the most important of all the four weeks that, of what we talk about, is that it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. And God never said that because it really does matter what we believe. So I'm just gonna start with an invitation. Will you just finish out this series with us? Just take your next step And come and listen, because it really does matter what we believe about God. It really does matter that we believe what God really said, and we don't give in to the cultural myths of God said he wants me to be happy. Because there's danger, there's literal danger in believing that God said something that he didn't say. And let me give you the example. So if you believe... That above all else, God wants you happy. Well, this is life, right? And we're not always happy. So if I find myself in a situation where I am very unhappy, I can believe that God failed me or that God let me down or that perhaps God isn't good because if I, if God was good, then I would be happy. And this week, like you saw in the video, we're going to be looking at God didn't say that he would never give us more than we can handle. And there's danger in believing that cultural myth as well, because if we believe that God said that he would never give us more than we can handle, when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, life is hard, people get sick, children rebel, jobs aren't secure we can lose our job lots of bad things happen in life if we believe that God isn't going to give us more than we can handle then we can believe again that God let us down and there have been people and maybe if you're honest you'll admit to yourself that there have been times where you've said you know what I've tried this God thing but it just doesn't work Because, you know what, I found myself in this situation. I lost my job. My mom died of cancer. You know, I didn't get that boyfriend or girlfriend that I prayed for. So, you know, I've tried this God thing, but it just doesn't work. You know, if God was really good, then I'd be happy. I would have gotten that job. I mean, I would live in that house. I would have that boyfriend. I would have that girlfriend. But it just didn't work out. And so some of you, and many people have, may have walked away from God unnecessarily. You may have walked away from faith. Or maybe you've been unattracted to the faith because you have believed something that culture said God said, and God said, I never really said that. I never said that at all. So I like that video how, you know, the woman's sharing and pouring her heart out, and, and the woman says, well, you know, when God shuts a door, he opens a window. And as well-meaning and intentioned as people have been when they have said that to you, that's not always helpful. Back in 2007, um, when the economy really took a dive, and I know we have a really young crowd here, so just track with me. It really did happen. Um, Everyone at that time knew somebody who had lost their job who had lost their home. I mean, people, it was a bad time for us here in the United States. And in fact, my mother lost her job during this time period. My father lost his job during this time period, and so did my husband. And at any point in time, when you don't have a steady income, it's scary, right? But it just so happened that I was six months pregnant with our third child, and we had no steady income, and we had no health insurance. Now, if someone, well-meaning, had come along and said, well, you know, when God shuts a door, he opens a window. I would say, great. Is he going to chuck $100 bills in that window? Is health insurance going to come flying through? Like, that's not helpful, even when it's well-intentioned. And it's not helpful because it's not true. It's not true. So I mentioned there's danger in misbeliefs about what God says and in who he is And it's because those beliefs can lead us to walk away from God. He can lead us to walk away from the help that we really need. So maybe that's you. Maybe you were dragged here by someone and you really wish you weren't here and somebody bribed you with lunch or I don't really know. I mean, I I got a whole entourage, the front row here to come with me and they're maybe here if they want to be or not. But I'm just going to ask you, will you just for the next 20 minutes, will you just track with me? Oh, she's like, I want to preach. All right, girlfriend, you come up here. You preach it, sister. All right, she can take my job anytime. Listen, if you're a parent and you believe God would not give you more than you can handle, you know for sure that that is not true if you have kids. I'm just telling you. It took me an hour yesterday to get my 8-year-old to take a shower. 60 minutes, people. God gives you more than you can handle. All right, so you might be asking yourself why. If God never said that he would give us more than we can handle, that he wouldn't give us more than we could handle, then what did he say? And I'm going to answer that for you this morning. But what I want to do first is I want to look into the why. Why would God allow us to walk through difficult circumstances, difficult seasons in life? Because this is not a Christian thing. If you're not a Jesus follower here, you can can track with me on this one. This is not a a Jesus Christian thing. This is a life thing. Life is hard. And the truth is, is that if you're not in a difficult situation right now, you'll be in one. I can guarantee it. Maybe you're just walking out of one and you're almost at the end. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But that's just a human thing. Life is hard. You will walk through circumstances and situations where you are like, I I can't do this, I can't make a job appear, I can't make somebody better, I can't make my child come back. We will find ourselves there, so why? Why would God, if he's good, if he's loving, if he's kind like everyone says he is, why would he allow this? And I going to look at two reasons this morning and the first one is this. The first one is, oh, I'm sorry, I skipped something. Let me first do this before I jump into the why's. Where did it come from? Where did that cultural belief come from that God, by people say, well, God will never give you more than you can handle? And I believe it's from the misinterpretation of this, and it's 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and it says this. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. But when you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Now the author of this verse is a man by the name of Paul, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later, but in this verse he's talking about temptation and what God is saying, look, I will never allow temptation of sin be so much so that you have to give in to it. I am faithful and I will provide a way out. But what this verse doesn't say is that God will never allow you to endure more Than you can handle. And actually, when you survey the entirety of the Bible, you are going to find that there are many men and women who, in fact, walked through very difficult situations. There's a man by the name of Joseph, and maybe you've heard of him, maybe you've seen Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Well, this man was hated so much by his brothers that he was sold into slavery. And he spent seven years in prison for something he didn't do. Joseph certainly felt like God had given him more than he could handle. There was a man by the name of Moses, and God called Moses to lead millions of people. Look, I have three children I have to lead, millions of people. And Moses said, "Uh uh-uh, no way, send somebody else. I don't want to do it, God, please not me. And he gave God just a, a litany of excuses why he couldn't do it. Moses felt like God had given him more than he could handle. Then there was a woman named Esther. She was a Jewish woman living in a foreign country, in a country where her people were hated. And God chose her to approach a king to save her people. And it took a significant amount of bravery for her to be able to do that because in order to approach a king, uh, you had to be summoned. And if you were not summoned by this king and you approached him anyways, he could kill you. Esther said, I am very afraid. She cried out to God. She felt like God had given her more than she could handle. And Jesus himself, when he was about to face the brutal beatings and the pain of death by crucifixion, we have his words recorded for us. He said this. It says, he took with him Peter, that's Jesus, James, and John, and began to be deeply troubled and distressed. And he told them, my soul is consumed with sorrow to the point of death. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, he's our ultimate example. And it's recorded for him that he was literally in so much distress that the capillaries in his forehead broke and he bled and he sweat blood out of his forehead. He was consumed with sorrow by what he was about to endure. Jesus, who was God himself in the flesh, begged God the Father for another plan, for another way. Yet God allowed it. God never said that he wouldn't give you more than you can handle. The truth is that many of us have experienced times like that. We've experienced where we've cried out to God and said, this is more than I can handle. God didn't say he wouldn't give us more than we could handle. And the reason is this. God wants to teach us to depend on his presence. How many of us will admit that when life is going good, our prayers are something like this. I got it, God. It's good. I'm all great. Keep it up. Right? And then we go about our day. It is amazing, though, when things start to spiral out of control, when life isn't going so great, how we feel the urgent need God we feel it in a way That we don't feel it when life Is going well When the sun is shining in Michigan And the breezes are blowing Would we planned our next Phenomenal vacation when our Jobs are going well when our relationships Are going well we're like God thank you Thank you so much this is awesome thank you God keep it up life is good And then we get on the airplane To go to this fabulous vacation And the pilot comes online you hear ding And he's like, buckle up because we're going to experience a little bit of turbulence. And about five seconds later, you realize that the little bit of turbulence really isn't exactly what he said. It was a little bit of an understatement because your airplane is like shaking. You ever been there? woof, in your stomachs, and you're going, you're reevaluating your whole life as you're grabbing onto the bars. You're like, God, I probably shouldn't have said that. I'm so sorry. Okay, I didn't do that. You're like taking inventory here. And even if you don't believe in God, you're thinking, okay, God, if you're real, I uh, please let these wheels hit the tarmac. And this literally just happened to me. My children and I traveled to see my parents in Florida over a vacation. And on the way there, it was perfect, right? But on the way back, as we're coming through this really heavy, thick cloud cover, you hear ding, Buckle up, it's going to be a bumpy ride. And we are like, my children will attest to this, we are like bumping all over the place. And I look over at my son, he's 13, and he's like, Mom, this is so cool. And he's got this huge smile on his face, I'm going, yeah, it's cool, son. It's really cool. And two um, rows ahead of us, this little kid is losing his cookies. I am not making this up. He's like, whoop, whoop, and Jack's like, yeah. I'm at Cedar Point, and I'm looking around, and everybody, I mean, it was the worst turbulence I have ever experienced, and everybody is, except for my son, who thinks is at Cedar Point, is death gripping, and it is amazing when life spirals out of control, how quickly our minds turn to God, how quickly we're like, God, I need you help me get me out of this. It's not a Christian thing it's a human thing when life is good we're like we got this but the minute we hit some bumps we're like god where are you i need you it's amazing when life gets difficult how suddenly we're drawn into the presence of god you know god uses difficulty he uses struggle to show us that he's real to show us he's real to show us the extent of his love for us to teach us to depend on him and there's an example i gave you a few men and women in scripture but there's another example of a man by the name of jonah and if you grew up in church you may have heard of jonah even if you didn't you may have heard of jonah and the ah jonah i love this participate you guys came ready this morning jonah and the whale well let me tell you just briefly the story it goes a little something like this god told jonah to go to a group of people that jonah didn't like And Jonah said, nope, no thank you, Uh uh-uh, no wait, kind of like my teenagers, not going to do it, not going to clean my room, not today, send somebody else, you do it for me, right? So this is what Jonah says. And he rebels much like many of us do when we're asked to do something that we're not supposed to do. And like Jonah, rebellion is always a one-way ticket to a place you never wanted to go. So Jonah finds himself in the belly of this whale. And some of you might think it sounds kind of crazy, but just listen to me here. Just follow me here. I want you to hear Jonah's prayer and God's response. Because Jonah is in a literal deep, dark place where he says, I cannot get out except with you, God. And so it says, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Now, notice what Jonah didn't say. Jonah didn't say, in my success, I called out to God. He didn't say, when my life was fabulous, I remembered you, Lord, it's amazing how much more we need God when life isn't going the way that we plan. Just about a a few weeks ago, um, we were getting ready for bed, and I came out of the bathroom to brush my teeth, and I looked at my husband, and I said, I'm tired. I said, I am, like, exhausted. And it wasn't like I worked really hard, like, during the day kind of exhaustion. I'm ready to go to sleep. It was like, you know that bone-weary I'm like just tired, I don't wanna do this anymore. And, and I wondered for a second as I stood there and I just thought, how did I get here? Like, how did I get to this place where I'm so tired? And for a moment, like the past events of the last school year just scanned through my mind. And I looked at my husband again and I just said, it's been a rough year. And it began like this. So back in August, my little one, who's eight years old, broke her arm in spectacular fashion. Now, I am going to spare you the details, unless you're, you know, like me, who passes out when things like this happen. But I hear thunk, 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 down the basement stairs, like every parent's worst nightmare. I run down the stairs, and I find my daughter laying at the bottom of the floor, and her arm's intact, but, like, one piece is here, and one piece is clearly where it's not supposed to be. So that's how we started off the school year. And then in October, um, my daughter, who's a real high-level athlete and a very good student, um, she gets sick. And we don't know what's wrong. It started with some pain in her abdomen, and we just thought, well, it's stomach aches, and we'll just. she just kept training, and we'll work through it. And then in November, she got really sick, and she started to lose like a significant amount of weight. And for me, that would be like a great day. But for her, she's already really tiny, and again, she's running uh, just, she's, the girl's running like 50 to 100 miles a week. And so this is not a good thing. And so we started to go to doctors, and we went to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor, and we had test after test. They start to poke and they start to prod and it gets more and more invasive and every single test is coming back normal which is good except for that my daughter is sick and she's getting sicker and she's starting to miss school and then she's starting to miss more school and then she's not able to run and it got to the point where she looked at me and she said mom i'm not going to another doctor they're not going to find anything wrong we couldn't find the answers And then back in the fall, um, I felt very strongly that God was calling me back to teach a Bible study that I used to teach um, quite a few years ago. And it's great. It's a good thing. But it requires me to study and to write and to give about 20-plus messages a year. And then on top of that, I found out back in the fall, um, too, a lot of things happened in the fall, um, that there was some content in the curriculum um, that my daughter was being required, some books that she was being required to read that had content in it that was just completely against everything that we believed and that we taught in our home. And I felt that God was asking me to stand up for what is righteous, what is pure, What is holy? And as you can imagine, I was a vast minority, a very vast minority in this battle. And um, what ensued for the last seven to eight months was a lot of really nasty things said about me. I'm an adult, right? I can take it, but to my face on social media. Um, just the names that I was called, my parenting was called into question, Um, you know, like what kind of parent are you, and you know, who are you, and just a lot of things, it it was, like again, I'm an adult, right, you get called names, but it was hard, it was a hard season, and then God calls us to start a new church, to help start a new church, and to be on staff, and I have new challenges, and new responsibilities, and add to that, I'm like a mom of three kids, and I have a marriage, and if you are doing math, that adds up to one tired mama. And I looked at my husband and I said, I'm tired. And I can honestly say that at the height of my daughter's sickness, and when people were spewing hatred towards me simply because I didn't agree with them, I knew that I was in over my head. And there were days without number, that when my kids would get on the bus, I would hit my knees. And I'm going to be dead honest with you. My prayers were like, God, why? Why me? Why so much? Why aren't you answering me? Why is my daughter still sick? Do you hear, God? Do you hear what they're saying about me? Why, God? What are you doing? God, are you there? And I have to tell you that morning after morning after morning, the sweetest thing would happen. Nothing would change on the outside. Emma wasn't healed. We didn't have an answer. People didn't, like, all of a sudden think I was a savior for standing up for what I believe in. But the sweetest thing is that God would meet me. And his peace would wash over me, and I would have the strength to stand up and just do what I had to do for that day until the next day when I would hit my knees and I would cry out. And in my doubt, even in my doubt, you would think 20-some years of walking with God, I would be like, I totally, you got that, I got this, God, I totally trust you. I love walking into people when they insult me. I love when people are sick. This is great. Even in my doubt, morning after morning after morning, God met me. But let me be honest with you in this too. When life is good and my children walk out the door for the bus, I'm going to Target. (laughs) I just don't hit my knees as often as I do when life is difficult. Let me tell you, God allows you to walk through difficult circumstances And situations in your life, he didn't cause them, but he allows you to go through them because he says, child, I have something better for you. I am going to teach you to depend on my presence. He says, child, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I don't have time to go into the history of when this was written, but when this was written, God's children were suffering greatly. And they were calling out to him saying, why God, why are we here? What are you doing? God, do you see us? God, do you care? And he said, yes, I have a plan for you. It's a good plan. And when you call me, I will listen. And when you seek me, you will find me. You will find me. In the difficult, in the more than we can handle, we experience the presence of God. And we also experience the power of God. God wants us to experience his power. Why would God allow us to walk through difficult circumstances, difficult seasons, because he says, I want to show you my power. I told you we we're going to come back to a man named Paul, making good on my promise. And this Paul is the man who is responsible for the major- writing the majority of the New Testament. I'm going to give you like a 15-second uh, overview of the Bible. So the Bible is not one book. It's actually 66 books. It's written by different authors. And what's incredible, and this is for another message, is that all of those authors wrote about the same God. It tells 66 books written in all different time periods, tell the same story. It's absolutely amazing. But This book, the Bible, 66 books, is divided up into two parts. You have the Old Testament, which is the history of the creation of the world and the history of the Jews. And it's before Jesus in the flesh, God in the flesh, comes to earth. The New Testament is when Jesus comes and it records his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. And then the early church, how we got to where we are right now. There are people who came before us and started church. And so Paul is responsible for writing the majority of this New Testament. And he is also responsible for traveling the entire known world at the time and starting churches everywhere he went. And Paul tells us in one of his writings that he was sick, and he refers to it as a thorn in his side. And we don't know what he suffered from, Just that he pleaded to God to take it away. And it says this. We have it recorded. It says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times Paul pleaded with God. Now, this isn't like three prayers like, hey, God, will you take this from me? Hey, God, take this away. Hey, God, heal me. We know that it was three significant, or what's implied is it was three significant periods of time where Paul was pleading and begging. He's probably fasting, which means going without food. He's probably asking other churches, his friends, his family, to pray for him, to pray over him, to, say, to just beg and plead God on his behalf to heal him. He says, please, God, please, God, please, God, please, please. Three times Paul pleaded And in my humanness, I would think that if there was anyone who deserved to be healed, if there was anyone who God would answer his questions, you would think Paul, certainly, this is a man who gave up his own success. He was very educated. He went to the best of the best schools. He was very, very smart. He was very successful. But he gave up his entire life. He faced death multiple times from people who hated him. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. He was stoned and left for dead. He was whipped multiple times. And all because Jesus changed his life and he refused to shut up about it. He spent the last three years of his life chained to a Roman guard and under house arrest, not for something he did wrong, because he refused to stop talking about Jesus. So if anyone, if come on. If anyone deserved to be healed, if we were God, wouldn't we go like, that's my man, Paul. I'm answering that. Wouldn't you think, thank God I'm not God. But really, you would think, oh, my goodness, Paul is the one. I'm going to heal him. I mean, he has done so much for me. I mean, he is so incredible. He gave up his whole life. Look at all he endured. Paul, you are the man. I am going to he- heal you. But what does God say? God says this, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my Power is made perfect in weakness. Paul cried out to God, God remove this from me. It is too much for me to bear. And God said, Paul, I'm enough for you. You don't need healing, you need me. He says, Paul, my power is gonna be demonstrated in your weakness in such a way that thousands of years later, people are still gonna be talking about you. People are gonna hear about Jesus, my son, because of you. So the other day I was reading a bedtime story to my daughter, and I wanna read it for you in in case you're worried that this is gonna go on and on and on, this is like my perfect bedtime story because it's 50 seconds. I'm good like that. All right, Jesus and his disciples, it's called Calming the Storm. It says Jesus and his disciples got into a boat and headed to the other side of the lake. Tired, Jesus lay down in the boat and fell asleep on a cushion. Quietly, the disciples rowed, push, pull, push, pull. Suddenly, the wind puffed wildly all around. Hey, what's happening, yelled the disciples. Where did the storm come from? Row harder. The waves on the lake swelled and hit the sides of the boat. The wind whooshed and howled. The waves grew bigger, crashing over the little boat and filling it with water. We're starting to sink, the disciples shouted. What are we going to do? Despite the storm, Jesus kept sleeping. The disciples gathered around him. Master, they shouted, help us, we're going to drown. Jesus woke up. He heard the wind, saw the waves. Why are you afraid? He asked the disciples. Be quiet, he told the wind, and the wind hushed. Settle down, he told the waves, and right away the waves stopped. The disciples didn't know what to think. Even the wind and the waves obeyed Jesus. When I got done reading that story, my daughter looked up at me and she said, did that really happen? Can Jesus really do that? And I just replied a simple yes. And in her childlike faith, she got the biggest smile. And I could see she was like, cool, God's got this. Like he can stop the wind and he can stop the waves. And some of you right now, you're in a storm. You are in a season, and you're like the disciples, man. The wind and the waves are crashing, and you're like, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I can't. And at the end of you, Jesus beckons, child, stop rowing so hard. I never said that I wouldn't give you more than you can handle. What I said was, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus says, child, listen, I am near to all who call on me. God never said he wouldn't give us more than we can handle. We live in a broken, sin-filled world. And you know what's actually the truth? Jesus said the opposite. Jesus said, I have told you this. He's preparing his disciples for his death. And he said, I have told you this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Jesus is like, I'm guaranteeing this. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Jesus says, in your trouble, in your sorrow, in your distress, in your broken relationships, in your sicknesses, in your failures, in your pains, I will show up. I will teach you to depend on my presence. And he says, and then I'm going to show you my power. If you're here this morning and you're like, that's me, man. I, I'm in a situation and I, I can't do it on my own anymore. It is literally too much to handle. I, I hear you. I've been there. still not totally out of that season my daughter is better we found out it was her gallbladder and she had it removed and it was about three weeks ago and she's healing but I don't have all of my questions answered and my life isn't always easy, it's good but it's good because God is good it's good because I've walked through those seasons, I'm not the same person I was in August and I'm thankful for it Because the next hard thing is right around the corner because this is life. And I can look back and say, you know what? When that was hard, when my daughter is 20, she can look back and say, I remember when I was sick and I missed out on track meets and I was really bummed out. and Maybe I was even ticked off at God because why are you doing this to me? But she'll say, God was good to me. And he taught me to depend on him. And he was powerful and faithful here, so he's going to be powerful and faithful in even more difficult trials and circumstances. I don't know what you're going through, but God does. Can I just say that at the end of you, Jesus says, I'm here. Depend on me. And don't worry when you're weak, because when you are weak, that's when my power is displayed best in you. I'm going to pray. Father God, thank you.